This is episode number 32 of the Polyglot Developer Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Raboy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. In this episode, I have repeat guest Corbin Crutchley. This time, he's going to be talking about TypeScript. TypeScript has been around for a few years now, and it's become increasingly popular year after year because of its adoption in various frameworks like Angular, React, Vue, so on and so forth. The goal of this episode is to break down what exactly TypeScript is, what it hopes to accomplish, and how you can use it in your modern applications that are designed for the web, desktop, anything basically that JavaScript can be used for. With that said, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I'm with Corbin Crutchley, and we're going to be talking about TypeScript for development. Uh, And you might remember Corbin from a previous episode. I believe he was on the episode regarding promises and async await, uh, that kind of asynchronous development for JavaScript. Let's give Corbin a chance to introduce uh, what he's working on now, give some background in case this is your first time listening, things like that. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me first. So uh, I'm a full-stack developer. I've worked with TypeScript for about three years now, Uh, run a blog called Unicorn Utterances. I cared very deeply about open source. Uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of your everyday developer. So, I mean, because it's been a few months since we last chatted, um, are you taking on any new projects other than uh, Unicorn Utterances right now? So recently, one of the things that I've done that I've been really excited about was I took on typings for a pretty popular library called GIMP. Uh, Unfortunately, our version 0.8 didn't quite go very well on the initial release just due to some complexities regarding those typings. But what's nice is that their library went from typing of one of their packages to 28 packages within a single version. So I've tried my best to make sure that uh, the TypeScript typings for that package were really nice and thorough. So, so you've uh, added typings to a JavaScript project. Is that is that uh, what we're what we're looking at now, or is it or is this a TypeScript project that uh, you've just now enhanced with typings? It's a JavaScript project that I've enhanced with typings. Perfect. So that kind of gets us into the core subject material, right? With typings and TypeScript For and sure. and how it uh, maybe sits on top of JavaScript, right? Yeah. So, so what? Uh, maybe you, you take us into kind of a, a short kind of intro into what TypeScript is in case this is somebody's first time. Absolutely. So TypeScript is a superset of JavaScript. What that means is that it has the same syntax as JavaScript, allows you to do any of the same functionality, but it adds on top of JavaScript the ability to strictly type your uh, code. So whether it is your code within JavaScript itself, so you can have a TypeScript file with JavaScript and typings, or you can type someone else's code, which is what I had done for Jim, in order to add those type declarations for uh, packages that are not your own. So is it is it true that uh, Microsoft invented TypeScript? Is, is this a thing? Yeah, so Microsoft had been building TypeScript internally for about a year or two before they had released it to the public, but it is fully open source, so anyone can kind of jump in and grab it. And Google's actually been using it quite extensively. Uh, there goes my Google. That's funny. <laughs> I, I heard it ding. <laughs> but uh, 
All right. Uh, but it happens. There is huge support from Google in order to try to make any of that functionality work. So Angular in particular uses TypeScript quite extensively. Um, many other Fortune 500s use TypeScript to its full potential. So TypeScript, is that strictly for JavaScript or is it? does it have some kind of C-sharp kind of integration since it was uh, a Microsoft uh, baby right there, right? So TypeScript, because it's a superset of JavaScript, is really just JavaScript. So what you can do is you can have TypeScript code that compiles into normal JavaScript. Um, there's even been integrations with Babel and the TypeScript compiler so that when you compile, let's say, ES6 or newer code, It'll break down into ES5 JavaScript so that you can run it in older browsers. So really, TypeScript is primarily built for JavaScript. Sure. Now, you mentioned uh, being able to define typings and things like that and uh, stuff that you would see common in, in say, C Sharp, Java, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, what, I mean, was this the problem that TypeScript set out to solve? What was, what was the true reasoning for even bringing it into existence? Yeah, so... One of the things about JavaScript is that while it does have types, um, they're technically called reference types or declared uh, primitive types. The problem with them is that they don't provide a whole lot of what's called metadata uh, to any form of compiler. So what I mean by that is, let's say we have an object with three keys, key one, key two, key three, kind of like an array or an array-like. We don't have the ability to strictly enforce that type of input into a given function and expect any kind of output. So if I pass in a number instead of an array or an object, it won't give me any type of error. So what I need to do is I need to be able to, before the runtime, I want to enforce that my code is going to run every time given the proper input. And that's what TypeScript set up to solve. Awesome. Uh, any, anything else or is it just that? Or is it um, going somewhere in, in, in a different direction to where it might solve other stuff as well? Yeah, so one of the other things that I really like about TypeScript that it allows you to do is you can actually utilize that metadata um, for things called, uh, I forget the term, but it's uh, metaprogramming. So what you can do is you can tape, take this type annotation information. So let's say that I have a database that allows me to set a string uh, object or property in a class. And I can save sure. that string in the database as type character 54 length. What I can do is I can have a class in JavaScript, add type annotation information, and take that type annotation information into the ORM just inherently by being able to have insights on what my code is trying to do with those type information. So it's better, better bindings with your database? It's better bindings to the typings of your code. Whether sure. you connect that to your database or not is up to the developer, but it allows you the, the ability to have much more insight to the code that you have as well. That's much more of an advanced usage of TypeScript, but it's certainly a very cool one that I like to see. Sure. So if I'm, so if I'm a JavaScript developer, and you said this is, TypeScript was a superset uh, to JavaScript, I mean, what, uh, do you want to elaborate more on that? What, what is my, my barrier to entry going to be? Uh, to switch from JavaScript to TypeScript if I wanted to? And that's a great question. One of the ones that I think might intimidate people from entering into TypeScript or, or any strictly typed language is, is that question in particular. So what's nice about being a superset is that it means any of the syntax you've learned with JavaScript, so arrow functions, uh, ES5 functions, anything like that, 
they all apply to TypeScript. So any of the syntax that you see applies. However, one of the differences is that you're going to be typing your code now. So instead of uh, const object equals blank, you might have const object semicolon, the type of that object equals blank. Uh, TypeScript does a really good job at imperatively typing. So it assumes what you know, uh, what, what the code knows. So it'll assume that the number three is a number rather than a string. And it will try to implicitly type your code. That's the, the technical term. But really, it means that it's trying to assume and guess your typings based off of what your code usage is. So are you talking about JavaScript or TypeScript? TypeScript, sorry, sorry. Sure. Uh, but what's nice is that even though you do need to provide typings, there are many instances where TypeScript and JavaScript are exactly the same code because TypeScript is able to guesstimate what the typings of your code is. So the barrier to entry to TypeScript is very, very low from JavaScript. So if so, going back to your number example, so I, I, I guess if I were to just say the number three, right, that's, that was your example, it would right. assume it's a number. Would it still assume it's a number if I put quotes around it? No. So in that case, it would assume that it was a string. But what you could do is you could, uh, in a function parameter, you could define the type explicitly as a number. And let's say that I try to pass in a string, it might throw an error. So I just did a post recently about a feature in TypeScript called TypeScript generics, that which allow you to have kind of this idea of a generic type. So whether it be a string or a number or anything like that, because I know in JavaScript, one of the things that's uh, kind of a, a fashion item to write in code is something called a polymorphic function, which is a function that can handle various types of data input. And you're able to leverage both the input and output type as almost their own variable. Um, this is getting into a little bit more advanced application of TypeScript. But what's nice is that you're able to leverage some of the more powerful uh, interpretations of the compiler in your own code um, using stuff like type generics. Got it. Um, and this this is where I might be showing my age here a little bit or how out of the loop I am. But um, so we're on what, ES7 now? Is that is that accurate? What what ES10? Te <laughs> Technically, we've moved away from ES and we're calling it ETMAScript 20 blank. So we're on ETMAScript 2020, I believe. Yeah, so that, that shows how, so how bad I am. Uh, I, I honestly don't do a whole lot of JavaScript anymore. Um, I do other languages. So, I mean... Last last I checked, I mean, I think you could already do types in JavaScript, right? Or sure. So so as I of them? yeah, as I had mentioned before, we do have a very limited understanding of types. So let's say that we have a string that we call uh, wrap around the number uh, constructor. So we do have these very primitive of the ideas of types. The sure. problem there is that, as I had mentioned before, there's no enforcement at the compiler level. So let's Got say it. that I try to map over an array inside of a function that's a param the problem is that when i send the code to the client it will break on the client and that's sure. that's never fun right we've we've yeah. all been there on a friday night after deploying for whatever reason we convinced ourselves was a good idea and had yeah. our code break on the client so what's nice about typescript is that there's a level of enforcement there where if i passed in an object instead of an array but i'm trying to do uh, method calls on an array i will get the error every time uh, we can even extend this off to classes. So while there may be the symbol.name, which is part of the ES6 yeah. uh, syntax, there's still a very limited amount of scope to what we can say. So 
if I extend a class, that name is now changed and I can't enforce that same classes in there. So TypeScript accounts for a lot of this stuff and handles it kind of ad hoc at the compiler time. So allows for much more flexibility and much more type strictness. Got it. So, I mean, so TypeScript, uh, even though that it's been out for a while, I, I got into it when I started working with Angular, which has been out a while. Uh, there's still a lot of JavaScript projects on GitHub or around the internet that don't use TypeScript at all. They're just JavaScript. How, what kind of um, process needs to happen in order to use JavaScript code in not like, like not uh, your own JavaScript code, but external libraries and things like that in your TypeScript projects? So one of the things that's nice about TypeScript is that they've kind of taken in this into account. They know that not everyone is going to be using their projects and they want to make sure that the tools are still available for those that don't. So one of the things that we can do is there's a community-driven effort to create what's called typings for all of these projects that may not have typings originally. And what that means is that I can define the input and output of your code without having to modify your JavaScript source code. And they're called uh, type, typing files. So they're .d.ts rather than just .ts. And what that enables is the ability to have the type information once I do an input and output to your function. So for example, if you have a function called uh, test and it needs to accept, accept a number, string, or object, I can create a typing for that file and have that function with those same inputs and the expected output. So then that way, you're able to get both the IDE uh, warnings and, and corrections, but you're also able to get the compiler uh, kind of sanity checks. So, I mean, there's thousands of, and I'm, that thousands is probably a, a low number, a uh, number of JavaScript libraries out there that probably don't have these type definitions that you just mentioned. So am I to expect that if I have to use one of these lesser popular libraries that I have to uh, define that type information? And that's certainly... Or is there any kind of generator that you can use? I know that there are generators for things like uh, JSDoc. So if they're doing documentation on the inputs and outputs, uh, I know that the TypeScript compiler also has a way of guessing what the types are. But ultimately, if you're wanting the most strict type definitions, you are likely going to have to write them yourselves. Um, TypeScript provides an escape hatch for any sufficiently complex types, which is either the unknown type or the any type. And what those allow you to do is the ability to kind of wave your hand and say, OK, TypeScript, I don't care what type this is, just pretend it could be anything. And while that may remove the barrier to entry for some applications. It also, of course, reduces the potential to utilize that code uh, for some of what TypeScript is best for. So there's kind of a trade-off there, is that when you're kind of investing into TypeScript, you're also making sure to get the most out of it by putting in the time, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and just knowing that uh... A lot of your errors can be caught at compile time is is a huge deal because having to troubleshoot in the browser or in a Node.js applicant, it, it could be exhausting, right? Right. Um, so the next question is um uh, assuming let's let's assume that uh your your libraries exist uh with, with type definitions or um you are 
just working straight with TypeScript. Is there a reason to actually continue to use just vanilla JavaScript? Is it, would there be a reason why TypeScript wouldn't make sense? Sure. So one of the times that I really like to turn to vanilla JavaScript, uh, even when using a framework like, let's say, React or Vue, is when I come across a time when rapid prototyping is of utmost importance. I think that there are still plenty of instances where TypeScript might be kind of overkill for any given project. And especially if you have a client who is very hard set on time limits and you have a restrictive team, there may be instances where putting in that engineering effort might not make sense to kind of edge case against. You know, while stability is always going to be important for any application, sometimes doing the manual QA while you're doing development might be important. So I tend to see TypeScript used in much larger projects, and I tend to see the best returns in those projects as well. So even with even when it comes to knowing that you're going to be future proofing your project with TypeScript, it still makes sense to, to prototype it for, for clients in JavaScript, you're saying? Sometimes? It, dep it depends on every instance. I know instances sure. where I've done so. Um, and what's nice is that because of the low barrier to TypeScript, I've even had recently a client who I'd been working on code for for about five months, and yet the migration to TypeScript was relatively trivial, maybe an afternoon, four or five hours sure. worth of work. Now, granted, that's entirely because of my familiarity with TypeScript. But what I mean to say is that there are very little inherent blockers depending on the size of your application depending on the structure in my case that happened to be very low got it got it um so we're going to take a little bit of a turn here and and do i guess some comparative uh things against typescript so not so now that we have a understanding of what typescript is i think there's this thing called flow mm -hmm. can you tell me a little bit about it yeah, so Flow is an alternative made by uh, Facebook uh, as an alternative to TypeScript. I, I don't know the timeline of which one had come first. I yeah. want to say Flow might have come first, but I could be very wrong on that. I know that it's implemented using OCaml, which is one of the like staunch defenders of Flow typed is that it utilizes uh, kind of a functional, very strictly typed language under the hood, which helps it a lot. Um, and it's really just meant as an alternative to TypeScript. So, so being that Facebook is, uh, is the powerhouse behind React and React Native, does this mean that you're forced to use Flow with those two technologies versus TypeScript? This was one of the really big questions around Flow when it started gaining popularity along with React. What's ended up happening is not only has it not been that way, where they've provided very good TypeScript definitions for uh, React, but it seems that the community, even within Facebook, tends to almost prefer uh, TypeScript nowadays. That's not to say that Flow is going away, but it definitely seems that it's hitting a recession period in terms of its popularity, even within its own teams. So there's certainly... Do you I don't, know why that is? You know, I don't. I, I've used Flow a lot, and while I personally prefer TypeScript just for some minutiae actions, I certainly see some advantages of Flow. So sure. one of the ways that I think Flow has a lot of ground over TypeScript is actually it's rapid prototyping. So sure. Flow allows you to be able to do type checking without changing the, the like format of your file, and you can also conditionally apply when you want to check a file or not. 
So I could have important file A, B, and C type checked, but then not type check any of the rest of the project. And that's a huge advantage. With TypeScript, it feels much more like you have to kind of expect and set up for TypeScript. While you can handle it incrementally, it certainly feels much more tedious to do so. But at the end of the day, both Flow and TypeScript are both compiling down to JavaScript, right? Yeah, yeah. Both of them have the same ability. Very, very similar syntax even. I know there are projects that will allow you to code convert from TypeScript to Flow typed or Flow type to TypeScript, which I've utilized once or twice myself. And they're very similar syntactically, and they both compile down to JavaScript at the end. So I, I could be wrong on this, and you can definitely correct me. I think Google has Dart uh, compiling down to, to JavaScript as well in some sense. Do you know anything on that? You know, it's funny. I think that there's also Kotlin, which breaks down to, to uh, JavaScript at some point. I know there's also... Um, yeah, possibly. I, I know there's been a lot of work to migrate other languages to the web. Um, I know, for example, GHC has an implementation of Haskell that's using, using WebAssembly, which I, I know is a bit tangential. But in terms of Dart to JavaScript, I'm not particularly familiar. Um, I think it's great, regardless, to, to have much more options at our disposal, whether it's client-side or server-side. Um, but it'll be certainly interesting to watch Dart, as I know Google's been making a lot of differences in, in that aspect. Yeah, everyone's adding their own kind of niche uh, to kind of uh, entice you to use that technology, right? Right, right. And I know, especially with Dart, there's been a bit of movement in terms of uh, Flutter. But I realize that's yeah. a tangent. Yeah, no, no, no. Dart with Flutter and uh, React with Facebook. And um, you never know. It's all it's it's you got a lot of options out there. Yep. Big gamble. Uh, so, I mean, for anyone that's not used TypeScript before, they've, they've probably heard a lot about it. But there's got to be something maybe stopping them from using it. What are what are some misconceptions that that are spreading around the internet about TypeScript that you've heard of? I think that one of the biggest misconceptions is actually in the opposite direction. Um, I think that one of the misconceptions that I've heard a lot from within the community is that types should be your documentation. Um, and I think that this the misconception is particularly egregious because it impacts the ability to kind of work through things. So I know multiple instances where types have absolutely helped me understand much more how to structure inputs or outputs. But so often there's some obscure method name or, or some obscure line of code that I don't quite understand that might seem obvious to the developer at first, but to other developers is absolutely confusing. So I think that one of the things to keep in mind is that even though TypeScript allows you to be able to have better documentation, potentially even auto-documented, uh, auto-generated documentation, it doesn't serve as a replacement to documentation. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that because I've I've seen plenty of documentation where it just it just throws out the functions, the parameters, the parameter types, the return types, but it doesn't tell me if that's the function I should be using or or because maybe they've named their properties very poorly or their functions very poorly, it still is not enough information for me to go off of solely based on the type information, right? Right. And what's really funny is that I think I've seen companies that provide SDKs to developers that do very similar to what you're describing, where it's yeah. input, type, etc. And what's ironic is that I've worked with some smaller companies that have done that, 
And almost every time I've had to open some level of bugs that may have ended up just being expected behavior simply because there wasn't even a single line to explain that it was expected behavior. Yeah. So it's really funny that even though it might seem obvious that TypeScript is your documentation, there's almost a foot gun involved where not providing documentation may give you more work than not. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, is there a wrong way to use TypeScript? Um, and I, I'll let you answer this, and then I have an opinion as well, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about it. Yeah, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, because I've thought about this one a lot. Yeah. I think, yes. I think oh, go on. the wrong way is the wrong way to do any form of code. I think that far too often developers, and I'm so guilty of this, it's not even funny. Uh, I think one of the things that that's kind of the, the pitfall for something like TypeScript, where it's a lot of metaprogramming involved, especially in more complex typings, is when you build these absolutely complex systems, but don't document them or do any form of, of maintenance in order to make sure that not only is the code quote end quote elegant, but it's also simple to read. So I know far too often um, a lot of the community tends to use type generic names, which are, are kind of like variables and typings, and they're just V or T. <laughs> and, yeah. and I cannot begin to tell you how frustrating it is to work in a very complex typing and go, okay, cool. Yeah. But what is that? What is variable A supposed to be? That's, that's probably the wrong way to do things in any language, not just TypeScript. Exactly. And, and I, think that, I, I think that TypeScript has so much of that metaprogramming that has traditional uh, computer science roots. Not, not that you need a traditional education by any means. But I yeah. think that there are so many people who come into TypeScript from these traditional roots that don't understand that maybe or or have seen like theorems that are used previously and i think that that's why it's so egregious in typescript in particular sure so my my beef with a lot of people using typescript is and you you mentioned it a little earlier um uh, is when people tend to use the unknown or any type for everything um, oh yeah because now they're they're just calling all data types any and it, to me, it kind of defeats the purpose because, hey, you're, you're back at JavaScript now, almost. Exactly. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if that's technically the wrong way. It's the wrong way in my eyes um, to use it. it. It's maybe a little bit of a lazy way, uh, if anything. For sure. I think one of the other things, because I, I absolutely agree with you. And funny enough, I think even going back the opposite direction, I think the other wrong way, and this is much more of a social issue than, than a technical issue. I think one of the things that's the worst for the TypeScript community is the expectation that everyone use it. Yeah. I think that more often than not, I've seen libraries that have explicitly not wanted to include TypeScript definitions, which is absolutely understandable. If it's not your forte and you're doing things on your free time, open source work, I, I totally understand that. I think that the expectation that they merge a pull request or whatnot is particularly frustrating, especially when we do have a maintained community support that allows us to be able to have these type definitions hosted in a community setting. Definitely. Um, in regards to actually, because TypeScript, uh, I guess you can say transpiles, right? It doesn't actually, I, I don't know if you can say it compiles to JavaScript. Uh, I guess that's a debatable uh, question right there. But the way that I put oh, it on. is that it, 
compiles from uh, TypeScript to uh, JavaScript because they're technically different languages, different syntax, but it transpiles from a newer version of JavaScript to an older version of JavaScript if you're using uh, something like Babel alongside TypeScript. So I think there's sure. a, a two-staged approach there. Yeah. All right. That's an interesting way to look at it. Um, my question is around actually why why do we even need to compile it to JavaScript at all? Is there a reason why, or maybe are browsers ever going to actually natively support TypeScript or is TypeScript ever going to maybe compile down to just machine language uh, and skip JavaScript altogether? So I think that there's some interesting questions there, right? So one of the things in particular is, will it ever compile down to machine code? I know that there are already projects that take the TypeScript syntax and allows us with much more limitations, no any type, no unknown type, and allows us to compile down to WASM, so WebAssembly. Um, sure. And I don't think that there's anything particularly wrong with, or not not wrong, wrong is the wrong word, um, but I don't think there's anything that would be inheriting, inherently limiting about doing that, other than perhaps that TypeScript right now is engineered around JavaScript and its limitations sure. rather than a generalized language. Um, but if the question leans more towards will JavaScript ever have typings at a la TypeScript, I don't think that's going to be the case. I know that there's a, I think it's still stage one uh, proposal in order to add very similar syntactically inputs to JavaScript for types. And I think that one of the limitations there is one, how quickly the language evolves, then two, the backwards compatibility. There would be there would have to be so many changes to the way that JavaScript is inherently done in order to have a similar syntax, similar advantages, disadvantages that would break the web effectively, which is uh, kind of a known stance of the TS39, the the committee that runs JavaScript, that we would never get something that looks like TypeScript. We may get something way down the line of something very similar, but I think that there would be enough differences that it would almost be a different beast altogether. Got it. Makes sense. Um, I guess while we bring this episode to a close, what are some of the coolest projects you've ever seen in TypeScript? One of the things that I mentioned earlier was the ability to do the metatyping. So being able to get information about types to be able to communicate with your RM. And I've seen the community do some fascinating stuff with it. Um, type ORM is probably one of my favorite ORMs in general, not just within JavaScript. And it allows you to define a class that has very similar uh, types to what you would have in your database to be able to serialize and deserialize from JavaScript to your database back and forth. There's projects that allow you to do uh, testing to expect a certain type once you get a call back. Um, there's all sorts of really fascinating usages of what's called the reflect metadata um, support in TypeScript to get that type information and to kind of preserve and utilize it across your code that I think is just so cool. Awesome. Well, then, uh, unless you have anything else to add, again, Corbin, your website is uh, Unicorn Utterances, right? With a hyphen in there? Yeah, yeah. We also have without a hyphen, but we do try to promote the hyphen much more. Um, recently, I've been working on a TypeScript series. One of the ones recently that we've released is on type generics in particular. I had mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, kind of goes from basic intro TypeScript usage to 
um, understanding type generics a bit more, throwing in a bit of computer science terminology without kind of some of the headache that's usually involved. So we're going to be continuing that series as we go. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if anyone listening to this episode, uh, definitely see what Corbin's up to. Uh, this is the second time he's been on the show. Just the second time, right? Yeah. Not the third? Yep. Yeah, second time on the show. Um, very talented, excellent, uh, and very grateful that you're on this episode, uh, Corbin. Well, thank you. It means a lot coming from you. Well, uh, if there's nothing else, I, we'll, we'll bring it to a close. Thanks for coming on the show, Corbin. Yeah, thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and were able to learn something about TypeScript from Corbin. If you're currently learning JavaScript and have not yet dived into TypeScript, I think it's definitely worth getting into TypeScript, maybe even first before JavaScript, because it is a great technology. And I personally believe that one day it may even be the primary way to write JavaScript code for web browsers, because you can write TypeScript and have it compiled down into JavaScript. If you found this episode of the podcast to be valuable, it would mean a lot to me if you went into iTunes or wherever you're listening from and left it a five-star rating. And if possible, even write a review about it. So that way future listeners can get an idea of what they're getting themselves into when it comes to the podcast episode itself or the entire show as a whole. If you're getting into development, whether that be JavaScript, TypeScript, Golang, whatever it may be, you can actually learn from the courses platform that's now available on the Polyglot Developer. So if you go to courses.thepolyglotdeveloper.com, you can t- enroll in one of the many courses that are available and further enhance your knowledge when it comes to a particular development technology. And that concludes episode number 32 of the Polyglot Developer Podcast.